Hello, welcome to Talking Talk, the podcast for the media by us.com. My name's TJ. I'm joined today by Chris. Hello. David. Buongiorno. And Brent. Simba. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nala. Simba. <laughs> Uh, today we're going to talk about a 1988 kind of instant classic, I feel like, a uh, movie that three of us had never seen. Brent was the only one who had seen it. Cinema Paradiso, Italian film that is iconic, maybe, I'll call it. I feel like it's a movie I always felt bad for not having seen. Same. I thought, I it, it's so, the, the title is so impactful when talking about, like, greats, that I thought this movie came out, like, in the 60s. I thought it was that much of a classic. I can see that. I'd actually never heard of it, really, when I watched it. Um, so, I didn't... I don't think of it... I, I, do you think non-cinephiles have, like, ever heard of it? Maybe not. I would say not. Yeah. Yeah. But they've probably heard of some things, like La Dolce Vita and Eight and a Half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. So, it's probably not as famous as, as some of those, but... Probably because it's newer. It yeah. hasn't had a the whole generation to talk about how great it is. It kind of preceded a wave of, like high-impact foreign-language stuff. Kind of revived way. Italy's, like, cinema I was reading. Hmm. Like, they had kind of not done well in a while. Not made good good flicks. And I mean, Life is Beautiful might be, I'm sure, considered by some a great 90s movie. <laughs> but not all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More. But uh, Cinema Paradiso opens up in the 1980s current for its time there's a film director who gets word that uh, Alfredo has died yep in his hometown in Sicily I think mm-hmm. and um, immediately jumps to a flashback World War II Sicily and a little kid who is the director and him working in a movie theater pretty much loving the local little cinema and kind of falling in love in a mentor-mentee relationship and a father figure, kids without a dad, with Alfredo, the guy who runs the projection at the movie theater. Not the owner, just runs the projector. Has to cut out all the scenes that might be considered like sinful. Yes, yeah. pornographic. Yep. And by that we mean kissing? Pretty much kissing, like 95% of it's kissing. There's a couple of nude scenes. Is it the, the government forces that, or it's is just it just the, 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 local, the local... The local church kind of runs priest. the town. Yeah. Okay. And, um... So most of the movie spent in 1940s Italy, I would say, a little over half of the movie is spent there. Flashes forward to him as a adolescent, falling in love with a fellow student, going off to do his like. There's no there's no war, but he has it's to go compulsory military service. training. Yeah, and you know some bad stuff happens. There's a fire at the thing. Alfredo goes blind. He ends up hanging out with Toto, who's the director. And the main character, the main character, yeah, ends up hanging out with him in the projection room still, and uh, you know has people tell him what's happening in movies, and pretty much tells him to leave and never come back at the end. Yeah, and he does that, uh, and not leaving, don't come back in a bad way, but in a follow your dreams. You're, Get out of this you're small town. way too good for this place. Yeah, you're bigger than this town. Yeah. So I guess first question is always the same. What'd y'all think? I liked it. I think it's a, a heartwarming little movie about, you know, just that. About a young boy and his mentor. Uh, you know, they he's trading, like, math lessons to Fredo, and Fredo's teaching him how to run the projector. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's a cute little movie. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's it sure is a charmer. Um, there's stuff, if it doesn't play right, that is... I don't know what the right term is, like nostalgia porn. It's like nice gauzy view of my childhood type movie. But I think it, it plays it pretty authentic. And uh, I especially love the uh, full theater scenes where you get like the entire crowd behaving poorly or, um, you know, behaving in a like, like manner all the kids, fitting a mob. All yeah. the kids jacking off in the front row together. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird scene. Or the one weirdo who just keeps spitting on people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He gets his comeuppance. Yeah, that amazingly full diaper. Like, holy crap, literally. There's <laughs> a lot of poop. Um, what do you think, Brett? Quickly. Uh, I really liked it. I'd seen it before, and I, I really liked it uh, the first time I saw it. And I, it kind of, I guess the, the shine had worn off a little bit for me, and so... I wasn't jazzed about rewatching it, and then I started the movie, and almost instantly I kind of fell for it again. It was, uh, yeah, it's 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 lovely. It's a nice little love song to movies in general. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and how you know, obviously that's something that we would all connect to because we like movies enough to record ourselves talking about them, and so we do know, it as a service. Yeah, it is very specific nostalgia about like. W- during the war and post-war Italy, but also generic nostalgia just about growing up and being enchanted, being in movie theaters. Mm-hmm. Do we get any... Uh, I'm having trouble remembering. Do we get any idea of what level of success he's enjoyed recently? He's very successful recently. Okay. You, yeah, you see, you his, see his name on a movie poster as they go by. Not that that means they're successful, but... sure. We had a really nice private theater at the end and a very nice house. Okay. Yeah, I assume he's... Yeah, I took it from his house that he was he was balling. Yeah, private projection nice, room and... Nice like, suits. Paid for a new house for his mom, Yeah, even though he didn't go home. Had, like, a manservant who was, like, complimenting him, like, I really liked your last movie. Yeah. That was actually the director. Oh, it was? Yeah. Cool. Nice. Cameo. Cameo. Uh, I didn't know this movie uh, cleaned up at the BAFTAs. Did y'all see that? I saw it when I was loading Netflix. You know, it's got the little thing like, uh, if you do it on TV, it's got all the things. And yeah, it was nominated for a ton of stuff. And won a bunch of stuff. Best Sporting Actor for the Smallest Kid, the youngest version of Toto. Mm-hmm. And Best Lead Actor for Alfredo. The kid was the best form of Toto, I thought, the youngest kid. Yes. He was great. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed the performance uh, from the actor who played Alfredo. The well. crazy thing was, looking at the trivia, is that he did, and I had this disconnect with myself, like I thought it was uh, a function of looking at the subtitles, but he did all of his dialogue in French, because he's a French actor. Yeah. Philippe, the kid? No, the Alfredo. Oh, Alfredo. <laughs> he's like Philippe Noray or something, I don't mm-hmm. know how you pronounce his name, but they, they dubbed his role in Italian, but he delivers it all in French. Weird. I guess I'm just like, when you're watching a foreign language and you're reading the subtitles, you don't always look at the mouth. Sure. Make sure it matches up. I saw it once and I thought it was just like... A glitch or something, yeah. Yeah, it was just asynchronous in this one part, but yeah, full, someone else dubbed his vocals, but he still won a BAFTA for that role. Nice. (laughs) Never hear his voice. Weird. Yeah. Um, I don't know, what else stood out? Anything? 
I wonder. I wonder if this movie is just kind of kind of to piggyback on what David's saying. Like, if it's just nostalgia porn, like, is it just heartwarming and not much else to it? That's sort I mean, of not that that's what you're saying, but the Hugo of its time. I got a question about the ending. What do you think, uh, Alf- or Alfredo? Meant by giving him that movie, what do you think that symbolized? It's a it's a promised gift finally delivered. Like he told him it was his, and then he would keep it. And so he, you know, his last wish is for the film that he carefully spliced back together to go back to him. I think that is it on its surface, and I think the deeper answer might be like it's pure. You know, kind of like leave, follow your dreams. I kind of took like. Lust, maybe, as in that kind of term, like you know, be selfish, be lust, lust for what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried to go look at it. It's beautiful. Kind beyond of surface level, and my take of it was that was like his symbolic representation of you know what he says to Toto when he leaves is you grow up in a small town, you have a small mind. And that's like the censor censoring of the movie. If you mm. want like uncut experience, you have to go out in the world. I thought that was like the delivery of that gift. What that meant. I like that. Anything on the stool part of the gift that was maybe deeper than just here's my stool that I used to run the projector. Did anybody notice that that he yeah. gave him the stool and the reel? No, I didn't notice the stool. Yeah, <laughs> passed me by. I guess. As far as the real, I, I, I don't know. I also took it as something of a like. Don't when you censor movies, you censor fundamental parts of them that are beautiful, and there's something about editing all those censored parts back together and showing them in one long clip that is really beautiful. Yeah, it's very affecting. Like out of context, it's like you know, there's a bunch of people kissing and some boobies and stuff, but. It's very affecting how it's uh, displayed in the movie. And it when you touches him, when you censor things, you give it more power sometimes by mm-hmm. censoring it. Like those are scenes that might not mean that much in all those movies to me. Like just uh, somebody kissing somebody, and but putting them all in one reel, it was much more effective and much more moving. Well, also also important to the reel is it is. <clears throat> it's not just all those scenes that were edited out. It starts with some of Toto's, like, home video shot of that woman. Is there's, like, there's there's non-kissing scenes that, that start with that reel. That's the stuff that he shot. Right. So, like, <clears throat> it's it's very intentionally personalized for him with that. Almost maybe that, like, you knew then you had the eye for this. Like, when you were a child. You knew that there was something important about the, these, like, cutouts, like, Scenes. Mm-hmm. It's also like it's a um, it's a visceral uh, evidence that Alfredo mattered and that he existed. It's like it's this film he made, even though he probably wouldn't be pretentious enough to say that was his film. Mm-hmm. But you know, editing something like that—that's uh, you know that's art. Is putting that together, and mm-hmm. that was his impact throughout like the years of those films. Yeah. It's kind of a movie they made together, yeah. In a way, yeah. It also kind of pairs with him, like giving the people what they want, with that whole scene where the fire starts. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you know, you wanted these kind of thing. The same way where even the people who are like yelling and hooting and hollering, like he went out of his way to give them sound to a movie they're obviously not listening to. 
because <laughs> they wanted it. Uh-huh. Uh, any scenes that that jump out to y'all that were better or worse than average in this movie? I mean, the end, obviously. The real that we're talking it's about. Like, it's an iconic scene. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things I didn't realize what this movie was about. And then about ten minutes into the movie, I was like, oh, it's that scene where the, the guys... like I've, I always had that picture of the gray-haired guy at the bottom left of the screen watching a theater. And uh, there being just a like spliced-together scene of all kissing. And I was like, oh, that's going to be at the end of this movie, I bet. I feel I had this just like weird... Um non-emotional thought that if that movie came out today there'd be so many memes of like the movie he's actually watching oh, yeah. that like heartfelt <laughs> response to <laughs> just all kinds of dumb like a keyboard cat or something he's it. like weeping at the end of stuff. Infinity War <laughs> <laughs> crying at the end of Infinity War um I can't pick up uh, you know it's just like a, it's a this is how I grew up type movie, so it's a bunch of like things drawn from his life. Um, yeah, I can't think of that much that stands out besides the, the scenes kind of we already talked about. I thought the scene was really pretty in the second theater he was working at on the water. Oh, that scene was gorgeous. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gorgeously shot. That was cool. Yeah. All the boats Yeah. alongside the thing, and then the, the rain... And then uh, Elena comes back yeah. in the rain. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. That was a great scene. Yeah. Was that the first Spider-Man kiss on film? 1988? <laughs> yeah. You don't know what a Spider-Man kiss is? It's when one person's upside down? Yep. <laughs> when one person's Spider-Man and the other person's getting kissed. Yeah. <laughs> the other person is a member of Kiss. <laughs> oh. Ship it. Um, I, I will say, uh, kind of outside of the prompt, um, I thought the movie was funnier than it was th- than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's a really slow cook at the beginning mm-hmm. because it kind of has to be. Right, you're you're setting this universe, but there's some really funny moments in it. Like I know TJ, you really liked when uh, when Fredo's in testing with like the young boys to you know, get some kind of equivalency degree mm-hmm. and he's trying to ask Toto for for answers to the test and he like leans over like he's gonna give him one and then just like flips him off. <laughs> yeah. And when the the two guys are standing at the back of the theater as like the movie's playing and there's the the text scroll, one of them's like, Hey like obviously really sheepishly he's like, What what does that say? And the guy's like, I don't know. I'm illiterate too and they both like bond over that and they're like, <laughs> they're like Oh cool <laughs> No more shame. I also liked, uh, you know, it's, I think it's one of the very first scenes where there's the kid at the board trying to figure out what five times five is. I laughed so hard. Bashes his head into the chalkboard. <laughs> He's got like a line. And then he points to a Christmas tree. It's like five times five is Christmas. Yeah. And all the kids go, ah! <laughs> I laughed really hard at that joke. I did not see it coming for some reason. Because <laughs> why would I? I didn't either. <laughs> um... Yeah, there's, there's something about, like, you know, a foreign movie from Italy from the 80s that won an Academy Award. I always think of these as, like, uh, humorless, 
and uh, heartless a lot of the time. Like they're really like academic, a, like a stuffy art piece. Yeah, that's why I think they they stay in my queue forever. Is I think they're like it's like academic study to go back and watch them. But there's so much life and uh, poignancy in them and humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like life is beautiful same way. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a foreign film it's to us. Very but funny. Yeah. To Italy, it's just a movie, and a movie has you know represents life. It's got funny parts. It's got dramatic parts. Right. I just need to remember that when. Uh, you know, tackling the hurdles of my Netflix queue. But then my you're, list. But then you're gonna like be like, oh, a more streaming, and you're gonna watch it. And you're gonna go, oh, <laughs> foreign movies are terrible. I hate myself. Yeah. <laughs> Never watch that again. No. <laughs> Hell no. No. No one has ever told me I'm. I've rewatched a more. <laughs> no one in history, I think, has ever done it. Yeah, because they're dead now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did have a part that was real weird, and I don't know why it was in the movie. Um, but it's the kids all masturbating in the front row. Yeah. It's bizarre. And then the couple that I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure they're just banging off to the side. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I watched it. I didn't rewind it. I was like, hey, Cassandra, are they just like fucking in the theater? Just going at it? Like, right in the middle of the theater? Yeah. Um, I don't know what that was supposed to like represent other than this town is fucked up. Uh, well, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very slowly them. It's the, the paradigm shift from... Absolute censorship. All kissing scenes are gone, and then slowly the movies start becoming less and less tamed by the church. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, it's the the waning power of the church. Too. Right. It's it's like the, the the fanatical extreme of no censorship, even though like we know that's like not what happens. Okay. There's also the prostitute who just like behind a drape, just like is banging dudes. It's like next. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe that is kind of to go back to what Brent was saying like you give it more power when you mm-hmm. censor it so mm-hmm. yeah they've been censoring for so many years and now, now people are fucking off and jacking off theaters yeah. yeah I mean the church has like it's physical repression right and you see the effect of it later on yeah still though it seemed like a overstep to smack the kid on what is obviously his dick though <laughs> It's like, why did you just punch him in the dick? The weird, like, the weird, God like, damn. punchline of that scene is then, like, the usher or whoever just starts, like, grabbing his own dick. <laughs> it's like, these kids are on to something. <laughs> so weird. It was just such an audible, like, <coughs> right? Th- Ow! Who's your rat? Really hit it, and I'm like, Floop. I'm say, like, a He hits it, and she's like, <laughs> a visual joke, but he hits it and he goes like, Whoa, <laughs> and that thing is hand sprung back. Uh, Let's do this for another. It's, it's a weird minutes. scene. It's a weird scene yeah, for it sure. Is, it was very strange. It was one of the scenes I remembered from the first watch. <laughs> yeah, it was so out, out of place. Kind of out of place. Right. Yeah. Why yeah. did that man hit that boy's exposed wiener? <laughs> to talk about real stuff again. <laughs> Not that wieners aren't real. <laughs> wieners are real. <laughs> um, I think that's like a... Yeah, isn't, that, isn't that a movie that came out last last year? Wieners, Wieners are real. Wieners are real. Sausage party? <laughs> Wieners are not dead. <laughs> Two. Kevin Sorbo. Anyway. <laughs> that's that's not the star. That's the subtitle. Sweet Sorbo. It's a subtitle, yeah. It's a comma. <laughs> Kevin Sorbo. Wieners, Wieners are, are dead, are... too. Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> Wieners, Wieners are, are real. Starry. Colin starring Kevin Sorbo, actually starring. Kevin Sorbo, two Wong Fu. 
<laughs> I love Julie Newmar. Thanks for nothing. Thanks for everything. Yeah. Anyway, Kane. at the end when you have adult Toto, right? Big Toto? Yeah. When you have Big Toto coming back to the town and they say the Paradiso is going to close, did any of you think that there was going to be some grand, like, saving the rec center type thing with that theater when he goes through it? Or did you think it was him putting his childhood to rest kind of yeah. last time? I mean, I think this guy's obviously got great... A great life was able to give his mother and sister a great life, all because he followed the directions of Alfredo by leaving. I don't think mm-hmm. he regretted it ever. I think he because he comes back to the town and sees everyone who was there when he was when he was mm-hmm. like a young mm-hmm. man. You know, nobody's the town's changed, but nobody else has really. Right. Um, so I never thought he was like a I can save it because the town always kind of sucked and it still sucks. It sucks, but there's there's some some part of me when he was like wandering through it, especially like uh, he's got the scene looking at where the lion's head should be, and like it's on the ground, and he kind of uh, looks at it. I was thinking maybe you know there is a part of him in his success that is due to the town, right? It's this kind of this uh, um, this constriction on his life led to him having this creative output that he had to leave the town to do mm-hmm. but it comes his love comes from this movie theater his entire life is owed to this movie theater the way and the way everyone in the town kind of looks to him they look to him like he's like you know he's he's made good and he might like be the savior for this place i don't know i appreciated that it didn't go that way maybe i was the only one who kind of picked up on where i thought that movie was going to go for that I didn't necessarily think it would go that way, but I am also glad it didn't. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah, because I think it's... I, I thought that it was a pretty clear comparison that the day after they put Fredo in the ground, they closed the cinema party, so... Hmm. Like, I they think... died with him. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that. I, uh... I did think the... <laughs> the amount of advertising and billboards slapped on that town yeah. was a little on the nose... <laughs> to be like look how much it's changed and it's just the same buildings from when I was a kid but with these like big ads for cigarettes or whatever right. on mm-hmm. them as like kind of like gaudy stage design as when they rebuild the cinema party show and it's got like that bright neon sign yeah. mm-hmm. it's like okay I New get Ava. it yeah which is actually the name of the movie Nuova cinema party show yeah yeah because yeah, it's the title card mm-hmm. it's like the the neon sign. You see that even when it's in the middle of, you know, World War Two. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just Cinema Paradiso. I would recommend it, y'all. I definitely would recommend it because it's uh, it's it, 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 it's foreign. It's a foreign film without being too art housey. Yeah, I say. I think it also yeah it lacks pretension and it's warm feeling and it's just a it's a nice movie for nice people. Nice. <laughs> You're a bad person. Don't watch this movie. It is the least war war movie, so I would recommend it to people. <laughs> There's no baseball, so Chris is a fan. Yep. <laughs> there was there was mention of a football lottery, which is as close to sports yeah. as we got. We before the podcast puzzled what a football lottery could be, <laughs> and we are no closer to the answer. You win a football. <laughs> yeah, really excited. Life changing moment for winning a football. There is a moment where I was like, wait, did he win a lottery to become a soccer player? Is that how they make soccer teams then? Because all the men went off to war, so they're like, we need someone to entertain the fans. <laughs> and it can't be women. <laughs> that comes later. All they can do is rivet things. I won the lottery. I'll become a football. <laughs> <laughs> become a football. 
Kick me, Papa. Kick me. It would take a dark turn if it was like more Shirley Jackson type lottery, where it's like, I won the lottery, they're going to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to throw footballs at me until I die. Stone the socialist in the town. <laughs> Stone the socialist. And there's so many like little tangents and stuff the movie does. I forgot about the the socialist moving to Germany. Yeah. Um, so, the main topic today, off of Cinema Paradiso, or Paradiso, I keep calling it that, I don't know why. But, Paradiso. Paradiso. I want that extra syllable in there. Real bad. Uh, but I gave y'all kind of an open-ended topic, which is just kind of movies where movies, you know, are in are in the movie. Movies within movies. Yeah. In hey, any, dog, in I any heard way. you like movies. <laughs> movie in your movie, so you can movie while you movie. Um, and there, are, there are lots of ways to, to go about it. There's movies like this, movies about watching movies, movies about making movies, movies where, you know, movies are the catalyst to move the uh, film along so I don't know one of the ones that that, that I first thought of uh, talking last night with Chris and the girls was a uh, Scream I think it was a really interesting uh, movie where you know the whole plot of Jamie Kennedy knowing everything that's going to happen because he's a horror film nut mm-hmm. is makes that movie you know not just pure horror but kind of comedy and parody mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is why Scream is so good, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> it's very very on, on the nose, saying like, hey, we're living in this trope world, and even when you you get rid of the Jamie Kennedy character, it still plays out exactly as predicted. Yeah, I kind of think of it as like, I remember one of the first podcasts we did was the Video Game Movies podcast, and David had the kind of brilliant idea that I hadn't thought of of movies that just play out like video games. Um, I think like Edge of Tomorrow was one that you talked mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to think about that movies that it's 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 kind of meta and dumb, but like movies that play out the plot like other movies on purpose, right? Is yeah, is right. interesting. Movies where people know they're in a movie or live their life like it's a movie or something. Yeah. Oh, thinking about that, just Cabin in the Woods is a good example. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's where it's oh. like they are. It is a specifically designed environment to play out like any one of these like to create typical horror scenarios. They create each stereotype in a horror movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's good. That's fun. But I don't know. I left it open to be also. What y'all, what y'all think about when I said that? I was thinking of uh, I had I had a tougher time. It seems like a narrower thing about movies where people watch movies in them mm-hmm. or have like an experience with movies. The first thing I thought of was a movie we keep uh, referencing. I think we all think it's pretty underrated. I believe, but Be Kind Rewind. Yeah, about and also gets into kind of what Cinema Paradiso touches on is like this communal experience that they that they kind of give everybody is having people be in the movies and everyone the whole community goes out in the block and watches them all together at the end. Yes. It's a very like heartwarming movie for what is like a ridiculous premise. Like Jack Black is a magnetic man kind of yeah. like, to begin that movie. The movie had one of my favorite jokes ever in movies, too, which is most stuff running down the street after he finds somebody who's got a copy of Ghostbusters, and then he turns around and is running back, and all you don't hear the other side of the conversation, but you just hear most stuff go, yeah, they said that about Laserdisc, too. That's <laughs> <laughs> real funny. So you're talking about it being a communal experience. The movie, first movie I think of where a character, about characters watching movies is... Uh, Actually, not communal experience at all. It's uh, it it's. I think the character watches a movie to escape his boring life, and that's Wally watching. Uh, Hello Dolly. Hello Dolly. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, just sort of the only 
the only real enjoyment he gets out of his day. Yeah, it's the only thing that makes his life a life, really. And it teaches him about love in a way that prepares him for uh, for the future. So you heard it here first. The movies teach you about love, and, and his <laughs> and his love of the movie lets him like escape his existence. Like, not just figuratively, like, his life's boring so he watches movies, but it takes him on this adventure. Yeah. With the, the things he learned from movies. It's the way... That's a good call. It's the way that, that Eva tries to break him back into his old personality after he gets, like, reprogrammed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, something I was thinking about, about um, <clears throat> Be Kind Rewind specifically, we talked last podcast about whether or not, because Brent just recently saw The Disaster Artist, about whether or not... Um, it's mean-spirited or not. And I think that Be Kind Rewind and Disaster Artist and really Cinema Paradiso are all kind of have this theme of like, go do it. Mm-hmm. Like, go make your movie. Like, go go be that. Then with Disaster Artist and I think Be Kind Rewind, it's not about the quality of your product. Mm-hmm. Just like, be the creative who you're meant to be and <clears throat> let your critics suffer or enjoy it or whatever. Just like, go do it. And that's, I don't know. We watch bad movies. Like that's yeah. like some movies are, but you know that it's that it's that it's it's probably a passion project of someone. Like I know we've talked about like you know, is there ever a zero star movie? And it's like, well, no. I mean, they they got the cameras out, they pointed them at actors, people acted, they performed. We talked about that a lot. They wrote a script early like, on when the podcast started. Like we always <sighs> we felt bad when we first started doing this like publicly. Putting it out there for anyone on earth to listen to us shitting on movies, and it's like it sucks because it's somebody was like somebody tried. Yeah. yeah, at the heart, there's a base appreciation we have, and maybe a base almost jealousy. Yeah, like you know, if you love movies, you've always thought about like what would a movie I would make look like, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we all listen to podcasts, and we started doing this because it's like let's make a podcast. Yeah, let's just do it. Yeah, and it's you know we're not looking at metrics, being like, well, you know, the X number of people are listening to it to determine whether or not we keep doing it. Like, right? Although, please keep listening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell your friends, <laughs> tell your moms, but not your dads. Well, I have a negative watching movie experience in a movie. Fun. What's that? It's kind of the opposite of Wall-E. Nice Clock little orange. segue. <laughs> they ruined it. No, it wasn't Clockwork Orange. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty negative. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> what do you think about that? Is uh, any of you guys seen Sunset Boulevard? Oh yeah, yeah. The movie experience in that movie is like watching movies and being obsessed with movies is not a liberation; it's an incarceration for Norma Desmond. Especially like her watching her old movies and living, reliving her old glory, and mm-hmm. you know, basically f- freezing her mansion and this cr- crazy environment in time. Like, uh, when there were still silent movies and, you know, it's, uh, it's very, very good. Yeah. It's very cynical, also, a movie, but it's very brilliant. Yeah. I thought of two movies where characters, uh, because of their love of romances, particular romances, they, uh, they kind of create really unfair... Expectations for themselves and others, and that's uh, Sleepless in Seattle, where she watches uh, Meg Ryan and Rosie O'Donnell watch uh, An Affair to Remember mm-hmm. over and over again, and that clearly colors how they view romance and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That movie, right? Um, and then related to that Mindy project, where 
Mindy Kaling's character wants romances to be like Sleepless in Seattle, which references that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I like that. That's uh, and then uh, Love Actually, the kid watching Titanic. Uh, yeah, thinks that grand gestures is all that matters. Yeah. He's, a, he's a jack trying Turns to be right. But, yeah. yeah. Um. Oh no! I just had a thought and it's gone. One of my favorites is uh, Spaceballs, where they watch Spaceballs <laughs> to oh, figure yeah. out where uh, oh, yeah. the others are. <laughs> I've got a, I've one that, that kind of didn't fit in anything, but I thought it was interesting, um, which is a character being so obsessed with film that it makes him almost flawed in a movie that I love, a romantic comedy, uh, Benny and June, where he pretty much turns himself into Buster Keaton. Hmm. I've never seen Benny and June. Hmm. Neither. All I know is the potatoes on forks. Um, yeah, so Johnny Depp's character is essentially uh, dresses and acts like Buster Keaton everywhere he goes. He's obsessed with Buster Keaton. Mm-hmm. And it really annoys people in this town because <laughs> all he does is stuff like that. It's cute in the beginning and then it drives people insane. <laughs> That's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about like uh, Ready Player One? Hmm. They use, definitely use one movie uh, significantly. Have you, you War games? games? I haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I won't talk about it too much. Chris hasn't seen it. Sure. That's a. It's a. It's like it. the best scene in the movie. So. Yeah. Don't want to take that away. <laughs> um, but. I don't know. That's interesting. Like I wonder. Well, at some point we can we can talk about like why they chose that movie. Yeah, I'm curious to hear thoughts on that as well. Because I don't really know why. Right. Does anybody have like just movies about making movies that they love or hate? I mean, Tropic Thunder comes to mind. Yep. That's a, that is a great kind of it kind of does all the things we're talking about because it pulls actors, it shows their other projects. It's them, uh, you know, the movie falling apart. You know, people being successful despite being typecast in this like ridiculous scenario, being simple Jack. Um, you know, it's it's all over the place. But at, at the heart of it, it's about you know method actors committing or a director putting them through like a bunch of bullshit to film this movie. Yeah, right. In the end, it's like it's the effort that goes into it, and just the fact of like living through it and completing it, it's like a success. Yeah. You know, they end up winning Oscars. Yeah, they all. Spoiler alert. Yeah, they, they've all relied upon all of their strengths from their previous roles to get them through this ridiculous situation, mm-hmm. being attacked by gorillas in the jungle. Uh, I had a weird one. I always really enjoyed the plot point of Boogie Nights of him trying to hang on to film in an industry where like nobody thinks the quality matters. Mm-hmm. I always thought that part of Boogie mm-hmm. Nights was always my favorite part. Um, Burt Reynolds hanging on in a I mean it's a horribly graphic dialogue in that scene where he talks about he just wants them to like sit there and he wants to make a porno that's so good he, people want to finish it mm-hmm. but that's always interesting to me Zach and Mary make a porno you know obviously gets some uh, some inspiration from, from from Boogie Nights right um, they're Filming Star Wars, really funny <clears throat> Seth Rogen movie. Yep, I was going through the list and uh, 
just realizing, to be honest, movies about movie making aren't really my favorite, which is weird. Okay, we'll I, love, I love movie making, but I kind of like documentaries about it. Yeah. Rather than, like, it always feels very uh, either self-congratulatory or, like, self-elbow to the ribs, like, you know, isn't this just like how it is? It kind of comes off like that sometimes. Um, I think my favorites are, like, the real, maybe, like, the darker takes and satires of it, like, uh, The Player, Barton Fink, those kind of movies that are deep in the, the darkness of... Hollywood and all that stuff. Or not like... I guess Barton Fink is more about the writing process, but it's... it's you know, he sells it's his soul for so Hollywood. There. Yeah. yeah. I was, yeah. Gonna, I was also going to compare it to, to Death to Smoochie, which isn't about making a movie, it's about making like a television show mm-hmm. and like the cult of personality around that. Very, very dark. I think an excellent movie. Yep. I love Death to Smoochie. Yeah, actually, there's a... I never even finished the movie. I actually started eight and a half and I just mm-hmm. couldn't get into it. It's about making a movie... And it just felt, I don't know, very... Smug? Yes. Yeah. Uh, just thinking about it, there's a ton of stuff in my blind spots that are, like, one, some of the biggest ones are about movie making, like, Eight and a Half, Singing in the Rain for me. I know it's a delight, but I know it's about, like, the conversion of talkies, or silent movies to talkies and all that stuff. Um, they're, I think they're kind of there for a reason for me. It's, like, a tough subject for me I guess never really thought about it before how'd you feel about the artist not a, not a big fan yeah yeah it was it's like fun at first and then by the end I was really ready for the movie to be done yeah and I'll probably never rewatch it you I said, don't know if I'll ever watch it either but I was a fan you said you like the player yeah it's also another like it's a super dark take on it Mm-hmm. About like the soullessness of the system, and like there's this side plot about like extortion and murder, like and and none of that has any bearing on success. You know, it's right. almost like a reverse relationship. Like the the darker his soul gets, like the more power and momentum he's got. The better he is at his job. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if I like that more too, because I also like that movie more than than most movies about making movies and I wonder if I like it more because it just it definitely fires shots across the bow of uh, of Hollywood yeah. in general and points at how self-important they find themselves at times which is weird because we obviously ascribe some importance to them because we sit around talking about movies all yeah, the time true. but I think it's like instead of movies about movies I just want to see movies about life kind of. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like, if I were making movies, it'd be more interesting to me. That's why it's like, you know, there's a ton of movies that get recognized by the Academy Awards that are about movie making because mm-hmm. there's a bunch of people that make movies vote on them. You know, and it reflects sure. their life. Uh, so what about a... I'm trying to find one now that you might like, just as a, in, a game within my game. <laughs> oh <laughs> game yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're... Yeah, I'm just curious where that break is. Like, maybe something that's real... It's a comedy more than it is about its content. Like uh, Bowfinger. Have you seen Bowfinger? Bowfinger's great. I love Bowfinger. That is a movie about making a movie that's, that is... Because it's not really about making the movie. Right. Yeah. Chubby Rain. Because <laughs> you're not asking us to like... I feel like it, as long as the movie's not begging me to feel sorry for the plight of the movie director or the, the producer or whatever, then... Yeah, or think, like uh, this may be just like a 
What's the thing where you say something and then you say something different? Contradiction. Converse- <laughs> conversation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know that thing kids have? Conversation. These days, they're conversations. But, yeah, but if like the end of the movie, it's like, and then look at this thing that we made, it's a movie. It's like, I need a little something more than that. At the same point, this is the same podcast where I talk about like it's such an achievement to make a movie. Yeah, it's hard. Well, yeah, I mean, it's I not. Think, yeah, I if, like that, it. if that's like the final resolution, it's like, and we got this made, and it was art. That, that's just like it just feels a little like self congratulatory to me. Yeah, it's weird. I don't have a problem people beating their chest after something, but beating your chest after creating art always seemed a little different than like beating your chest after hitting a home run. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's not a physical achievement, so it seems weird. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying now to imagine, uh, like, filmmakers physically beating their chest. I mean, Richard, Richard Linklater, after 12 years, was like, Boyhood's done! <laughs> he does the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> I was picturing Ava DuVernay. <laughs> um, David, were you a fan of Ed Wood? Not the biggest fan. I think it's overrated. Hmm. I liked performances in it, but... See, it, too, like, feels a little, like... I know it's not super mean spirited, but it still feels a little smug to me. Yeah. What about uh, what about a movie that is the director has said it is explicitly it is explicitly about the making of movies, but it is purely metaphor, and that's Inception. Sure, I like that. Yeah, because that's it's a, it's a way to tell that story without. I mean, it's because the dunk at the end isn't look at this art that I made a movie, it's like, you know, here's did, this thing, it's a metaphor. Did I lose myself along the way, and does it matter? Right. Yeah, you get to a, a point that's beyond just pure um, creation, and it's actually like what goes into like why people make movies mm-hmm. when you use a metaphor like that. Yeah. Plus, using the metaphor means it can be entertaining on its on a different level as well. Sure. Like, it is an entertaining story. That mm-hmm. we see on the screen, we don't we don't have to we don't have to see the connection to movies to enjoy that movie, mm-hmm. right? I'm trying to think of, of analogs to other media, and it's a difficult difficult exercise. What um, do you mean exactly? So, if movies about making movies have this air of pretentiousness to them, does that translate to others, or is there general reverence for them when they are? self-reflective like that. I got you. Like a TV show about making a TV show. Right. And I think that... that <clears throat> I think that, that it plays genuine in, in lots of other media. Uh, maybe just because we're so so mired in these details, talking about movies, like, you know, for three hours a week. But, like, you know, although he has the reputation of being arrogant and a grandstander, like, Kanye's Through the Wire is essentially about his struggle after the car accident, like, getting back to making music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are games that are about development which get lauded for their creativity and ingenuity and, you know, TV shows about TV shows Yeah, that... I don't know. It seems... Well, I guess it's like, it, it points to, like, what is the aim of it? Like, the show 30 Rock. I love the show 30 Rock. At the end, it's not like... The, the, the thesis for the show isn't... Every week we put on this show and we deliver it to America. 
It's like, no, it's like zany stuff. It's about the human characters that are wrapped up in it. But it's about how difficult the people <laughs> are who are involved in the making of it. Sure. Right? So almost like, like the disaster artist. Where at the end of the day, the disaster artist is about, can you believe that this actually got made? Like, whether for good or for bad. And that's that, I think, is you know the, the thrust of 30 Rock with the girly show. Is like, with all this shit going around with, you know, the product placement for, you know, washers and dryers and, you know, Kathy Geis being, you know, basically a human stump, <laughs> that, like, the girly show is still happening. Mm -hmm. Even though it's it's a footnote at the end of most, at the bottom of, of every episode, you know, it's, 30 Rock doesn't exist without the girly show. Maybe the thing is, it's just, it's harder for some things to connect, for us to connect to not doing it. And I think 30 Rock does a really good job of making us to connect to Liz Lemon. Mm -hmm. In that, you know, she's, you never see her as a pretentious, you know, type. I mean, the first scene is her just talking about how much she loves New York hot dogs, like street hot dogs and whatnot. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think... Where it's easy to relate to, she's like, it's a workplace comedy in, in essence, it's just like dealing with unreasonable people. It's just with being on a TV show, they're, you know, exacerbated. You can their ridiculousness. You can see yourself in her, where you, whereas you might not be able to see yourself in like, uh, I don't know, the Fellini. tortured, the tortured Fellini filmmaker. Possibly. Yeah, eight and a half. Um, then again, I, I, I don't know. I wonder if eight and, a, eight and a half might just be one of those movies that's so beloved by filmmakers, and I wonder if anybody else even enjoys it. I don't know. I thought you were going to say, but then again, I can see myself as Fellini very easily. Oh. <laughs> no, but I, I get what you're saying. That makes a lot of sense, too. Hmm. What else you got, TJ? I don't know. I don't know like, what, what else were people thinking. David, you always list up for these things. Uh, I just had some other thoughts about uh, favorite scenes set in movie theaters, because there's a bunch of stuff here. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, one of them that came to mind for me was uh, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, the, it's the most uh, explosive thing that can happen to a movie theater. Literally, it's the most dramatic thing. You know, you murder Hitler, kill Hitler. <laughs> um, I love that scene too, where she splashes herself into the film, <laughs> and they see the the giant face of the Jewish girl, you know, informing them of their impending doom. Yeah. As yeah, as one. the projection room starts to burn and yeah. the image distorts and the audio like doesn't she laugh at them? Yeah, yeah. she's yeah. laughing as it's burning up as the screen's burning from the bottom too. Um, I also thought of speaking of Scream, the beginning of Scream Two is the movie theater, right? Yeah, where they're showing the new movie. Yeah, the movie based off of yeah, that's a screen. screen. Yeah. What's it called? Uh, Stab. Stab. That's it. Stab. Yeah. Um, what about this? Fictional movies that you most would want to see. Are there any fictional movies that you would love to see? Hmm. Hmm. I have I a hard time thinking of like most of the ones I can think of are like ridiculous movies that are like as a point of satire. Right. It's like the Tropic Thunder movie or yeah. like I don't want to see the Scorcher Four Frozen. Right. <laughs> so. And having actually seen Machete, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Like. These sometimes these like you'll see like a fake trailer in a movie and it'll simply be like oh, I'd love to watch that. I kind of want to see. Out and you're like, oh, it wasn't very good. I do kind of want to see. Don't. Isn't that the movie in the uh, the Edgar Wright fake movie in uh, Death Proof? 
I don't. forget what they all are now. I think so. If you're thinking of coming back, oh, it don't. Is don't. Yeah. Something like, it's, it's something like that. Or nope, the movie. <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah, I'm having trouble thinking of them too. I know that there are some weird ones like Eli Roth directed the film that they're showing in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. So it actually got made. Yeah, the Triumph of the Will type movie. Yeah. I forget what it's called. About the sniper. Yeah. Ah! This is sniper sniping. <laughs> sniper, no sniping. <laughs> I can't remember them very well, but I remember in the, there's the Oscar scene in Naked Gun 33 and a third, where they're showing mm. like other movies that are up for Oscars, and they're just hilariously campy and, and stupid. I really thought my favorite Tropic Thunder fake trailer was the. The Oscar bait movie with yeah. Martin Daly Jr. and Toby McGuire. It's so funny. Yeah. They, Devil's yeah. Alley or something? Yeah. Something. What it's called. But they made that. It's like it, was, it was the young Pope. Uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's what I was thinking of because Jack Black, that's uh, uh, Nighty Professor. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that scene of them sitting at the table farting, like, that is in the movie Nighty Professor. <laughs> <laughs> They're making fun of Eddie Murphy. Um, I just love like the four, four time Academy Award winner Kurt Lazarus, an MTV Best Kiss winner. <laughs> All comes back to Spider Man Kiss. Yeah. Well, um, I there's there's a couple of episodes of Rick and Morty which are really funny bottle episodes called Interdimensional mm-hmm. Television, where they just have a remote that can just like change to any dimensions TV station and just randomly. And there's a <laughs> a really funny bit that's called Two Brothers. Yeah. Uh, that they just like they just keep like adding stupid action elements to it, and it's starring like a Dwayne the Rock Johnson type and a Vin Diesel type as two brothers. Nice, it's really funny. And in that same episode, when they do like the the SNL parody, it's like and Flor from Flopperlop, and starring a piece of toast and Bobby Moynihan. I know we weren't playing a game, but you want to do a little little game? Yeah, let's wrap up the game. Yeah, these, are, these are fictional movies within movies. You have to name the real movie. Yeah, okay. This is good, because I couldn't think of any. The Orchid Thief. Adaptation. Adaptation, Adaptation uh, yeah, is correct. I really wouldn't want to see that movie. No. <laughs> a Russian Affair. Is that from Naked Gun 33 and 3rd? No. <laughs> uh, a Russian Affair is a movie in which the... Uh, the main character is rescued from a Russian villain by his dog. <laughs> John, I'm like, it's the artist. It's the movie he's making. Oh, okay. oh gosh. Oh. Um, how about Log Jamming? Oh, that's a uh, Big Lebowski. That is the porn movie in Big Lebowski. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Uh, Brock Landers, Angels Live in My Town. <laughs> <laughs> that's Boogie Nights. Yep. Uh, let's see. You got the touch. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Broadlanders. Home for Purim. That's uh, the Christopher Guest movie that was yeah. not good. Um, for for your consideration. No, no, no. That's it. Yeah. About the campaigning for awards. Yeah. All right. How about the movie Deception, starring James Franco and Lindsay Lohan? Dang, that's really familiar. Is that like in Friends with Benefits? No, it is a romantic comedy though. No strings attached. <laughs> one of the main characters is a in the in the real movie. One of the main characters is a movie trailer producer, and she is working on making a trailer for this movie. The Deception. holiday. The holiday is for uh, yeah. yeah. Shit. 
Uh, how about Angels with Filthy Souls? Home Alone. Yeah. yeah. Angels with Filthier Souls. Home Alone 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, the Nazi propaganda film was called Nation's Pride. That's in, it. Uh, nice. In Inglorious Bastards. All right. Goodwill Hunting 2, Hunting Season. <laughs> Jade's on Bob. Applesauce. Applesauce. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, More. Arnold Schwarzenegger starring as Hamlet. Hamlet Last 2? Action hero? Last Damn. Action Heroes. Nice. I love Hamlet 2. It's weird. Very Coogan. Elizabeth Shue? Yeah. And Hamlet 2. As Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Terrence and Philip, asses of fire. <laughs> so you're larger, I'm good. Yeah. Asses of fire. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I've never seen this, but Gandhi too. <laughs> Dang, what's that from? That's, That's really familiar. That, that is ringing a bell. Movie, I think it is. It is. Yeah. Gandhi Two is like an action movie, isn't it? It it's a sequel to Gandhi with Gandhi portrayed as tough and street smart. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's from the Weird Al Yankovic movie UHF. Mm. Yeah. That's why y'all two thought it was familiar. We didn't know what the hell it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, a tough one, but I recently watched this movie. You just don't exist. Has a uh, uh, an actor. It's it's the the star of You Just Don't Exist is also a uh, a top skateboarder. Oh, is that Scott Pilgrim? Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the movie yeah, that nice. that uh, the what's his name is Chris Evans. Chris Evans is making. Yeah. yeah. So fun. Yeah, that's a little little, little quick, a little quicky, little cool. Those are uh, good talking talks. Yeah, we did it. We talked. We even talked about some movies that talk about silent films. Yep, dangerously close to ruining our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but we are pro talky. We got yeah. We got past Mia signing Metropolis. We, yeah. we can we can do anything. We are, we are pro talky as a group, but David is anti talky talky. What would a what would a podcast about silent movies be? There's talky talk and flaily flail. <laughs> flaily flail. I don't know. On, <laughs> on the internet with zero listeners. <laughs> by the way, we can cut this out if we need to. Forgot to mention, love the music in Cinema Paradiso. By the way, Ennio Morricone. Yeah, so that's He's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> he's all right. Really stuck with me afterwards. I had a best of Ennio Morricone. Uh, Thing that I downloaded uh, like years and years ago, and I, I know the Cinema Paradiso theme before I ever watched the movie because oh, I listened nice. to it a bunch. Well, cool. So, I want to take us out. I'll do it. Yay! Well, this was Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaBios.com. Homework. Oh shit! Oh. That's on Brett, so we're gonna have to wait a minute. That's yeah. fine. Unless do you want to do it, or are you still like iffy if you'll be able to make it. Week to week. Yeah, I'm still kind of week to week. Yeah. And you're out? I'm out. Yeah. So what do you and TJ want to watch and talk about? And maybe David. Maybe David. Probably David. Mm, you never know. Because I was in the show. Heard about this thing? <laughs> okay, so our homework for next week is the 1995 Pierce Brosnan James Bond movie, Goldeneye. 
fun. I don't know. Is this the one people think is like maybe the great, or is that the next one? It's no, it's it's, it's up there. It's up there. It's okay. the only one of the Brosnan movies that's okay. considered good. Yeah, it kind of reignited the franchise. Okay. After yeah. the longest down period it's had, I believe. Yeah, I've seen Doctor No. I've seen Skyfall, and I saw the first one with him. Casino Royale. You haven't seen Casino. No, I haven't. Quantum of Solace. Spectre. I guess just Skyfall. Skyfall, the one with a uh, Bardem. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I've seen Doctor No and Skyfall, and that's <clears> it. <throat> okay. Wow. Cool. Yeah. What's the topic going to be? I'm just I don't kidding. Know. <laughs> I hope it's not James Bond movies. It's not going to be James Bond movies. <laughs> maybe spy movies? Uh, maybe maybe on the nose. Maybe characters, uh, maybe actors taking over roles. Hmm. No, that's fun. That that others have made well known. Well, we've gotten in the habit of not actually setting the topic till the podcast starts. Yeah. So. <laughs> Dave, David's a big fan of that. <laughs> it stresses me out <laughs> so much. We like to do it to surprise you so we have as little time to prepare so we get genuine reactions. Because we're always jealous when you pull out that big list. It's like, here are all my things. <laughs> it's like, oh, I thought of one thing. <laughs> You're the podcast Dirk Diggler. <laughs> the personality thing I took at work was like, I'm computer for success. <laughs> like In it, specifically, it's like, I like to be prepped ahead of time so I can prepare for meetings, or it makes me anxious. <laughs> but that's pretty accurate. That's... <laughs> All right, cool. So, homework for next week is Goldeneye. 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 Nintendo 64. Odd job. Gosh. That was the cue to get back on the rails. things that won't come up in this movie. (laughs) We might talk about the game. It might be unavoidable. Anyway. What? Might be. Unavoidable. Unavoidable. It might be. Unavoidable. David's computer, didn't you hear? Speaking of wingdings over there. Eight ball <laughs> finger pointing to the right. <laughs> triangle, triangle. Fancy border, fancy border. And 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 and. <laughs> All right, so this was Talking Talk, a podcast for the Media Bios. Please visit the site and see our stuff. Check us out on Twitter at the Media Bios, our Gmail, the Media Bios at gmail.com and our Facebook groups, Movies by Us, TV by Us, Games by Us. And our page, uh, the Media Bios, kind of talks about all that stuff that's going on with the site. Uh, things you can do to help us is uh, engage with us by uh, reviewing the podcast, giving it as many stars as you think possible. Ten? Uh, ten. ten. Possible. Give it a ten. Give it a ten. Just do two fives. Give it a ten out of five. Yeah, review it twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we don't want to advocate that. No, we can't advocate that. That will get us blacklisted. I'll mute myself. Just, those would be a beep over what I just said. But also, tell your friends about the podcast. And just right. your moms. And just your... Adjust your moms. <laughs> just your mothers. Uh, but thanks for everybody listening to this, and thanks you guys for being here. Yeah, thanks to Willow Walkers for the intro, and Boo Reefa for the outro as well. Boo Reefa! Willow Walkers! <laughs> we have to leave. Willow Walkers down under. <laughs> Bye! Hi, Mom. <laughs> Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things that I know.